listeners. You're listening to the Six Year Stint NBA Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Tomessi. And if you follow us on Instagram, which you can do at Six Year Stint, you might have noticed that um, we're going to be doing a top five worst contracts signed in 2016's offseason. Um, now that we're midway through the season, most teams have played roughly 41 games, which marks the, the midpoint in the season. Uh, we're going to we're going to take this time to look at who made the biggest mistakes this offseason, who threw money at the wrong people this year, and um, basically what that means uh, going forward. And we're taking in a lot of things into account. Um, you know, first of all, just, you know, the size of the contract, how much money are we talking here, the, uh, the amount of years, how it affects the team this season, how it's affected it so far, and how it affects the future going forward. So we're taking everything into account here. Um, so let's get started here. Um, before I really get into this, um, I just want to say, uh, you know, I, I thought it was really funny when I noticed that Matt Barnes... Um, only managed to lock up a two-year, $12 million contract with the Sacramento Kings this offseason. You know, signing with a team after having a really nice season in Memphis last year and basically showing the world that he can be a reliable veteran in a locker room, you know, through really tough times, which is what Memphis kind of went through. And um, his former coach in Memphis going to Sacramento and Dave Yeager, I mean, I, I, I fail to see how they they came up with this this contract here because the Kings having so much money to throw away. I mean, they gave Anthony Tolliver a, a horrible contract uh, as well. And, you know, having all this money, being so frugal with Matt Barnes, who's a re- probably the most respected veteran in that locker room at this point, it's just kind of funny to me. And the guy making only $6 million a year is kind of unfair when you look at all the other money that's being thrown around. But I mean, that's just one quick little note on Matt Barnes. I thought that was a little strange when I saw that um, prepping for this show. But uh, before we get into the top five, um, I want to give my honorable mentions, um, starting with Joachim Noah. Now, I know a lot of people probably have this guy in their top five. I've heard a lot of people say this is the worst contract of this year. Um, boldly, people have been saying that. I disagree. Um, I, I think the Knicks have certainly gotten off to a pretty bad start um, at this point. They are 19 and 26, so they're 11th in the Eastern Conference, which is pretty bad considering they saw they traded away for Derrick Rose. Um, they signed Joachim Noah, Brandon Jennings, Courtney Lee. I mean, that's a lot of additions to just be stuck right back pretty much where you were last season in the losing column. So that's pretty bad. It's a bad contract. I agree. You know, four years, 72 million, which is about 18 million a year. Um, that's pretty rough. That's pretty... That's pretty generous for a guy who's pretty much ineffective on all ends of the floor, aside from, um, you know, locking down the paint uh, at times when he, when the effort's there. And, and I mean, he's a pretty good rebounder. We'll, I'll give him that as well. He's a very good rebounder. Um, but as, as far as offense goes, um, and really, I mean, other than being a pretty good facilitator as a center, um, there's not much use for Joachim Noah in today's NBA, unfortunately, but 
I, I still think that this guy is has a place. I mean, he might not be uh, one of the best centers in the league, which I think he probably was a few years ago, um, but he's certainly like a useful big. I mean, if you look at what Yo, um, sorry, Andrew Bogut did for the Warriors um, in, in their in their two finals runs, I mean, the guy the guy is not by any means an offensive uh, you know scorer. Or, or really even that great at anything else but at all. But um, they managed to use him as uh, a guy who set picks, whether they were legal or not, uh, for their shooters. And, and, and he was a really good guy in the pick and roll. He was a guy who was mobile. He was a decent rebounder at times. And he was the, the, the presence in the paint that they needed. And I think Joachim Noah can totally be that for any team. Um, I don't see any reason why he needs to be uh, a fringe considered a fringe NBA player as as most seem to be saying now you know oh Joachim needs to go to China or whatnot I don't really agree with that um, but sure surely four years 72 million is too much so he is it, he is an honorable mention for that reason but I do think that um, uh, contrary to some other guys that you'll see further further on in this list um, I think his, his contract is a little bit more movable um, or if the Knicks do figure it out and, and become a playoff team, whether it's this year, next year, or, 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 or at some point in, in his contract, um, I think he's a valuable player, especially in the playoffs. So I don't think uh, that's as bad as most people are making it out to be. I think a lot of people are just shocked by the numbers, which is why a lot of these contracts are being you know headlines, headlined anyway as, as bad contracts is really just because people aren't used to this kind of money um, in the first place. But Nevertheless, they still can be bad um, because, I mean, r regardless of how crazy these new these new deals are, you know, we still have to treat them fairly. So moving on, um, the next honorable mention is sort of a tie between two players on the same team. It's uh, Timofey Mozgov and Luol Deng, uh, respectively. Luol Deng signing a four-year, $72 million contract, the same as Joachim Noah, so $18 million per year. And then Mozgov... Uh, with a little bit less, $16 million per year at four years, $64 million. So both of these deals are for four years guaranteed, and that is pretty bad for two guys that are really up there in years um, and really not the kind of players that, that work in today's game. I mean, that's a really bad label to put on a player, and that's kind of what we do a lot, and, it, and it's 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 harsh and and honestly I, I i regret doing it sometimes but you know luol dang i i i just what is he at this point in his career is, is he better than lukumba mute is he i mean um he's really just a guy i don't think you can really start now and i mean he had some success in miami at the four which was nice but uh, I don't think that he's really being used the same way in in Los Angeles. And um, I mean, I think it's just that the time is catching up. I mean, he was drafted in 2004. Uh, he's got a lot of miles playing for Tom Thibodeau for a, a significant amount of time, probably the best part of his career. I mean, he, the guy just doesn't really have much left in the tank. And then as far as Mozgov goes, I mean, that's a guy who pretty much had no business earning a championship last year. I mean, he was a bigger piece uh, in 2015 on the Cavs, but they ended up not, not not winning that year. And in 2016, when they actually won, he was hardly being used at all. Um, and we finally started seeing Thompson 
Tristan Thompson play at the five, which I think they should have done all along. I, I think that's a big part of the, why they lost in 2015. Obviously, not the biggest reason, but one of them. Uh, Mozgov. I mean, I don't. I don't. I mean, we we joked a lot about this uh, during the off season. This was a really funny deal f- for for Jordan and I uh, at the time because you know 64 million dollars for a guy who I don't think most people even know. Um, for anything other than being dunked on by Blake Griffin, DeMar DeRozan, etc. I mean, that's just absurd, and, and, and that's why this is one of the more laughable deals. But, I mean, I, I think the, the problem I have with these deals, and I understand that the, Laker, the Lakers had to sign somebody to, to pay because they didn't want to be overly taxed for, for, for not meeting the salary floors, and um, that's something that they had to take care of. So, I mean, it makes sense uh in that department but but what what's the problem is is these are long deals like why couldn't these be two year deals um and i mean if someone can explain to me why that's why why they needed to sign both these players for for 4 years i mean that that that, that just doesn't make sense to me um i don't know why it couldn't be like a jeff green type situation where okay orlando we need to throw this money at somebody we don't have um, the appeal to draw in actual free agents, so let's just pretend uh, that this guy deserves this much money and just throw it at him, so we can just you know meet the meet the quota. But um, I just don't get it because it's a long deal, and 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 these guys, you know, D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, well, he's he's signed a deal, but um, I mean. They have a lot of players, Julius Randle, Larry Nance, etc., cetera, uh, Brandon Ingram. These guys are going to want max deals soon. And if you're tied up with these useless assets that by that time are going to be either already traded, uh, which, which will be hard to do if they can pull that off, or they'll just be really at the end of the bench um, w- to the point where it's like Carl Landry in Philadelphia, where it's like, whoa, he's playing in Philadelphia? Like and he's been there for two years. Oh my God! I totally didn't know that. But that that's kind of the situation that they're going to see themselves in, and and that's really scary. If I'm the Lakers, uh, and I can't re-sign one of my many, many, many young stars that are going to be looking for a lot of money uh, in the next few years. So that's that's a weird deal right there. And the last honorable mention, um, Ryan Anderson. I've never been a fan of Ryan Anderson, and I've been very vocal about that. Most people let it go. They don't care. Oh, come on. He's a good shooter, whatever. We can just leave it at that. Uh, why, you know, what's wrong with Ryan Anderson? He puts up good numbers. He's, he's pretty efficient. Well, he's not a, an NBA player. Okay, I'm sorry to say. He's, he's a guy who found a, a loophole. Just, just it's the same thing as Matt Bonner and... Um, Anthony Morrow and all these guys. And by the way, not all these guys are actually that great at being three-point shooters. They just Some of them just have a reputation for it, like a Steve Novak, who at this point, I mean, just finds himself roster to roster not contributing. Uh, just look at what he did in Oklahoma last year, what he's doing on the Bucks right now. It's just, he's not doing anything. He's just label. He's got this label. He's got this reputation, and it's great for him. But it's just, what's the actual product? And I mean, Anthony Morrow 
hasn't been an actual good three-point shooter since 2009 when he was a rookie. And, and for some reason, we've hold, held on to this, uh, this reputation for him. And it's the same thing with Ryan Anderson, which, I mean, don't get me wrong. Ryan Anderson is, is way above these guys I mentioned. He's actually one of the many, or one of the few, sorry, exceptions where it actually does seem like he's a useful three-point shooter. But his he, he signed a four-year, $80 million contract with the Rockets this season. And they, they're loving every minute that Ryan Anderson's on the floor, uh, except for on the defensive end, which is all, what I'll get to. I mean, that's... That's sort of the problem here is that he's not a complete player and he's not just a specialist. He is literally useful for one thing. And um, I mean, as a passer, as a, as a guy who can set screens, he's really not there. Um, so it's really just three point shooting for him. And that's, that's not good. I, I mean, that's, useful in some ways but how is that worth 20 million dollars a year i mean the rockets are a team that's exciting a lot of people including myself and i i did an episode pretty much entirely dedicated to just singing the praises of the houston rockets mike d'antoni and james harden but look this is a team that's overachieving and let's not get ahead of ourselves like they really are overachieving and whether that's a hot streak or just kind of doing something else that most teams aren't doing right now, which is really embracing that the fact that they're just an offensive team and that's it. I mean, and their defense hasn't even been that bad, which is one of the reasons they're winning so many games. But, I mean, this is not a complete team. This team's not ready to be in the NBA Finals. It's not ready for a deep playoff run. I mean, it's ready for regular season wins and something special in the playoffs, but... Mike D'Antoni teams have never really been that successful in the playoffs. And we know that, that, that you need stars in the playoffs. And James Harden is my MVP so far this season. But that guy needs help, um, whether he likes it or not. And I know that, you know, Dwight actually leaving turned out to be a good thing for him because he didn't have to worry so much. And Jason Terry of the Bucks even was quoted saying, you know, now he doesn't have to worry about Dwight anymore. So he's just free to do his thing. And not only is that just a better product on the floor, but consciously James Harden is just in another zone because of that. And I understand that completely, but he's going to need help. I mean, Montrez Harrell, uh, Corey Brewer, Trevor Ariza, who by the way is getting really old now these guys are not going to be like solid number two options in the playoffs. Let's just be realistic here. Maybe in the first round, um, if they play like a weaker team in the West, but look, look, I mean, if you're going up against the Warriors, if you're going up against the Spurs, you're going up against the Clippers, you can't just show up with just James Harden and a couple three point shooters. It's going to take a little bit more. And so this deal, $20 million a year for the next four years for Ryan Anderson, just a guy who's a sit in the in, in the in the corner and just shoot threes and just complete like you're playing four on five on the other end of the floor. That's ridiculous. And this ties Houston up for a lot of money for a long time for a guy that honestly is overrated in my opinion and flat out is the number one most overrated player in the NBA, in my opinion. But that's and I've said that before. I, I'm very consistent with that. 
I mean, that's subject to change, but for now and for a very long time, it's been Ryan Anderson for me. So, um, yeah, yeah. 20, 15 minutes now we're, we're spending on honorable mentions, but you know, uh, very opinionated man. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, uh, had to let all this out. There's a reason I, I decided to include these guys. I really had a lot to say about them, but, uh, moving into my official top five, uh, so far, Worst contracts of 2016's offseason so far and how they've played out. Number five, the Washington Wizards with Jan Mahimi, from, formerly from the Indiana Pacers, um, basically been benched and ineffective this season. Uh, I think they, they signed this guy. By the way, it, it, sorry, I didn't mention how much money it is. It's four years, $64 million, exact same deal as... Uh, Timofey Mozgov to the Lakers. Um, so Jan Mahimni basically, I guess, was brought in to sort of be either a instant replacement for G- Marcin Gortat or, or sort of something to just hold on to until they make a decision on him. And it's turned out that Marcin Gortat's kind of had a bit of a comeback season and really been an exciting player. I mean, he's always been a, an actually a very underrated center. I mean, he's very mobile. One thing that you notice about him, he's ve- he's always moving around. And for his age, for for his you know lack of of, of like great long distance shooting and, and not really being all that flashy, he's very athletic. He's very quick, very quick center. And um, he's that's that's why he's been really good in the pick and roll. And John Wall's had a fun time playing with him. Uh, but he's had a bit of a comeback season, at least for me, because I, I was ready to write this guy off, and it seems like he's still got a little bit left. So it uh, looks like Jan Mahini's been benched, as well as some of the other centers and big men, like Andrew Nicholson that they brought in. Uh just doesn't really make a lot of sense at this point, because Mahini's really been useless. And, I mean, the way I look at it, there's a lot of questionable big, man's, uh, big man deals out there right now especially with guys that can't shoot um and just don't really fit like the new nba image of a center the carl anthony towns the yoel mb the joel Embiid's, and and whatnot you know these guys like mozgov biombo dwight howard um they they look weird on on these new teams with these big big deals and i i just I really don't like this deal for Washington, and I feel like along with their Bradley Beal signing, they really locked up, and Andrew Nicholson, which I, that wasn't a big one, but it was significant, and that that's a lot of money locked up. I mean, and it's all long-term. It's all um, on guys that, that currently don't seem to fit on the team. So that's the, really the funny thing about Washington is is signing all these players that, like, even when they signed them, didn't seem like good fits. It's just like right off the bat, this is not a great decision. Uh, we got a lot of that in D.C. right now. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much Jan Mahini. And I'll get back to him later because there's some players that I would compare to him. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that once I get to those players further in the list. So number four... We're staying in D.C. Um, Bradley Beal 
five years, $128 million, which is $25.6 million per year on average. That is one of the biggest contracts currently in the league. Um, and it's definitely one of the most absurd. Uh, Bradley Beal has, has, has had the best season of his, of his career granted, uh, this year he's, he's, he's shot up from 17 points per game last year to 20 this year, um, which is the first time he's, he's been above 20 points per game, but the guy is already very much not, uh, a, a sustainable player when it comes to staying healthy at this point in his career, he's, he's 23 years old. I mean, most guys coming out of college right now are 22, 23 maybe. So this is, you know, this can be this is a guy that can can be compared to some rookies right now, uh, at least in age. And he's already a complete like disaster. I mean, he's been through so many injuries, every single part of his body, and. It's a guy, it, this is a guy we cannot rely on. This is a guy that's not going to play more than 12 years in the NBA uh, once it's all said and done. I mean, unless he, he has some kind of miraculous, like, Grant Hill type of career where he just becomes a bench player that's, you know, manages to stay kind of healthy. Um, you know, maybe he should go to Phoenix. They have a really good medical staff. But this guy doesn't doesn't make sense in Washington. John Wall is furious about it. John Wall doesn't like his contract. They're not friends. They don't like each other. They don't play well together. Um, it, they used to. It just doesn't make sense anymore. And that relationship has been through a lot. That relationship has been through a lot of losing, a lot more losing than than expected. And um, it's I, I don't think it's something that could be rekindled. And I think it's something that needs to be dealt with already. And it, it should have been a long time ago. I think free John Wall is a very very uh prominent you know chant in the nba circles and it's because frankly the guy's wasting his career in washington and I, i've talked about this before i mean um bradley beal is, is is overpaid john wall is underpaid and and that is you know not the the wizard's fault i mean that's just how the cap just worked out and it, and it's unfortunate that john wall was was drafted in 2010 and his cycle of of nba uh, re-signings has not fallen, uh, you know, particularly well with with the way that the NBA's uh, expanded on its on its spendings. But look, I mean, this is a, an awkward situation, and uh, you know, there, there's a reason why you know the Wizards are in my top five twice for worst contracts of this year because. Quite frankly, they don't know what they're doing. And, you know, they should have tried to get some free agents. They should have tried to actually draw in a third piece or uh, possibly let Bradley Beal go and opened up a door for somebody uh, to really get paid here. And it just didn't work out. I mean, it's it's really it's really sad. And honestly, I, 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 I understand, you know, third overall pick in 2012, you don't let him walk, but it feels like this might have been a situation where you could have done it because the guy, you know, it's 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 understandable if you're a Wizards fan because, look, the guy, we drafted him. He was a great player. He's put up good numbers when he's been healthy, but he's not sustainable. We're going to let him walk. And this, that's one of those deals that you can live with or one of those um, lack of deals, you know, I mean, not signing a deal, I guess, 
that you don't you don't end up regretting because even if he goes off to have like marginal success elsewhere you know i can live with the fact that we let a guy with glass knees walk i mean i don't see a lot of chicago bulls fans being too upset about derrick rose leaving i mean it's it just fans don't want to invest in guys that aren't going to stay on the floor and um that's that's why bradley beal is number four on my list so um I mean, I'm interested to hear, by the way, if anyone disagrees, I, I really, I, I would like to hear so. And, and, um, because I did come up with this list all on my own and, um, you know, uh, I, 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 I might be wrong, but this, this I, I stand pretty firmly with my choices so far. So number three, we have Dwight Howard of the Atlanta Hawks, um, three years, 70 million, 23.3 on average, uh, not the longest deal, uh, certainly would be higher on the list if this was a four-year or a, God forbid, a five-year deal, but, uh, Dwight Howard right now at that kind of money, I mean, uh, didn't make a lot of sense right off the bat, doesn't really make a lot of sense even now, um, I, I've been one of the, the few that have actually been really excited about Atlanta Hawks basketball this year, Particularly this year, I've never really been that excited about it in the past, and it's because I liked the ballsy move to to let Jeff Teague, um, you know, go somewhere else. Obviously, it wasn't a, they didn't just let him walk; they traded him. But they 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 traded him for a draft pick that hasn't really worked out. So it's clear that they kind of just wanted to get rid of Jeff Teague and took whatever they could, and they brought in Dennis Schroeder to the starting five, which I thought was a good good move. Uh, I'm not in love with Dennis Schroeder. I don't think he's a he's a you know, I don't even think he's uh, a top 15 starting point guard in this league right now. But it's it's fine for now. And in it, it, it um it was a youth movement that I think was necessary in a way. Um, but what what's what's happened otherwise is kind of disappointing in Atlanta, and it's because. The season has had its ups and downs and it's been like very shaky. You know, every other day you wake up and, and you're either really happy about the Hawks or you're really just sad about it. It's like, I don't think any team is that liquid right now, but um, man, it's just the Dwight Howard signing, I thought so far looked pretty good. I mean, I thought, okay, it's a lot of money. It's a lot. It's three years is, is longer than you'd think. Uh, especially for a guy like Dwight, and I'll get back into that um, in a minute. But I liked it because I thought it added something to the Hawks. It, it made um, a lot of sense for me. And, and, you know, you couldn't control Al Horford leaving. That was kind of something like they had him there, but Horford's heart was just somewhere else. And there's really nothing you can do about something like that. They should have traded him earlier. Um, I don't think a lot of people saw Horford leaving as 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 uh, as much as some other players that I think a lot of people are are very keen on on seeing, you know, interested in other teams. I think Horford was very quiet about his uh, his uh, aspirations to go to Boston, but once he signed there, he seemed like he always wanted to play there. So that's interesting. But they couldn't do anything about that. Speaking of the Hawks, so I thought that Howard was a really solid replacement. I mean, who else could they have signed? Who, what else could they have done, right? They, they, there's not a lot, right? And 
I thought that was a good move. And, and him with Schroeder was kind of something exciting. And it's been sort of exciting in spurts. And I thought Millsap would, would fit in well with him. I thought that would be a nice front court. It hasn't seemed to be like that. And, you know, them trading away Kyle Korver was kind of a heartbreaker for me. And I never really realized how old Korver was, which kind of made it a better deal for me uh, after I found out that Korver was 36 years old. So it made a lot more sense after that. But it still kind of felt like, wow, okay, we're ready to give up on this. Okay, well, that's really unfortunate because this is starting to look like something really like fun. And this is something that I think is different than what we've seen in the last two years from the Hawks. And I was ready for that to be serious. And now it looks like Paul Millsap's in probably the most uh, talked about trade piece right now. I don't think anyone's getting more trade rumor chatter than Paul Millsap right now. At least it seemed like that a few weeks ago. But now it's kind of died down uh, because the Hawks have, have made a few statements indicating that they're going to keep him actually. But now that's just awkward. And I mean, no one likes to be on the trading block and then yanked off of it and, you know, have an expectation that they're just going to come back to the locker room the next day and it's all going to be good. But um, that's just a weird situation now. And it seems like it's kind of spoiled uh, Atlanta. And, and, and it looks like that's not really going to be a, a serious playoff team or at least someone that's really going to make a deep run uh, in the postseason this year. So Dwight Howard being signed there is is no longer looking so good to me. I think the biggest problem is that he is not tradable. And I, I've heard people say, look, oh, that's a tradable contract. Come on. That's not that bad with the new money. Here's why it's not a tradable contract, and although it may seem so. Um, it's because Dwight is never going to be Carl Landry. Dwight Howard is never going to be Elton Brand. Uh, I'm just pl naming washed-up Sixers centers. <laughs> but... He's never going to be Anderson Vergeau. He's not going to do that. He wants to be a starter. He's 30 years old. He's not ready to be nobody. He's not ready to be Andrew Bogut on the Mavericks right now. He wants to play. He's not Amare Stoudemire on the Heat a few years ago. He wants to play still. And he, he's, he signed this deal because he, he, he was... It's not because he wanted to go back to Atlanta. He could have done that in 2012. He, or he, or or in 2013, he he didn't he didn't do it because he wanted to go home to Atlanta. I mean, you can fall in love with that story all you want. It's not true. He went there because that's the only place that offered him the money. That's the only place that offered him a starting position. No one else really did. I mean, maybe he had a few other offers. I, who's not to say, who's to say that that Portland didn't give him a real enticing offer and they could have they easily could have let him start. But he went with Atlanta and. The problem is he's not going to be able to go somewhere else. You're not be, going to be able to dump this contract. And I know that, you know, the salary dumps are not really happening anymore because, you know, the cap is, is going up. It's, you know, teams aren't as desperate for, for little loopholes like that anymore. They surely will be, though, in three years. And I don't think Dwight is going to be one of those pieces that you can trade um, like that to a bad team that's willing to just take on some money because Dwight is not going to want to do that. And I mean, I'll probably eat my words in two years or a year or whatever when he's actually traded because I don't think he's going to play all three years out in Atlanta. Um, 
unless he he decides to take a very small role, which, I mean, again, that would just be me eating my words, but I don't see it happening. And that's why Dwight is number number three on this list. I mean, a lot of people might ask, you know, why is, you know, the other centers, Noah, Mahimi, why are they below? It's because those guys, you know, if all goes wrong, those tr- guys can still be traded. Joachim Noah can be tra- dumped somewhere else. He's not. He doesn't have an ego that's just going to ruin that. I mean, the guy's been on the bench. He's been, you know, uh, injured for a long time the last few years. He was been benched in Chicago. He, he hated that. But, um, I mean, that would just be like kind of, the last straw, I think, for Noah if he was traded anywhere else from the Knicks and just kind of dumped somewhere. Because, look, the guy has kind of had a few a few warnings already. So if, if he were to be dumped somewhere, it'd be kind of like, all right, you kind of got to suck it up, dude, because you've already been been rejected a few times now. It's, it's, you know, Whereas Dwight still, I think, feels like he's a star in this league. And, and he probably just feels like... He's just been cheated with the with the Warriors and Spurs new style of play or whatever you want to call it. I don't know why I referenced the Spurs, but you know this new small ball. I mean, it's uh, Dwight probably feels like he's a victim of this rather than he that than than him being just kind of outsourced. So um, I I don't think he's a tradable piece for that reason, and that's why he's number three. Uh, three years, by the way, some people might say, oh, that's not a long time. Well, I would agree if the Hawks hadn't already started this season blowing up their team, or at least being rumored to, because if we could have had a nice Hawks season with no, no significant moves and, uh, you know, maybe a second round, uh, appearance, maybe a third round appearance, who knows, um, something exciting, you know, something nice from the Hawks this year, then maybe next year something bad happens and we got these rumors and we got Dwight, you know, on the way out or maybe two years from now. That would be what I would have expected at the beginning of the season. If you would have told me that, I totally would say that's plausible. But at this point, you know, it looks like Dwight is on the way out like soon. Like the, the, the it, it seems like that this ticking time bomb of, of the Hawks being blown up has been accelerated this season way faster than I anticipated. And for that reason, three years is a lot longer than people might think. So moving on, number two, and this is something I think everyone will agree with. Uh, if not, they'll, it'll just be because they, they, they think he should be number one on this list. And that's Evan Turner. Four years, 70 million, 17.5 per year on average with the Portland Trailblazers, my personal favorite team uh, in the NBA. I mean, I'm not supposed to show a bias, but I am. That's my favorite team, Uh, mostly for local, for geographical reasons. Uh, Being in Vancouver, that is the closest team, and I don't really root for a team across the country because just because they're also Canadian in the Raptors. So I'm a Blazers fan first and foremost, I would say. But um, so I, I mean, it's hard for me to say this. It's hard for me to know it deep inside that Evan Turner is a really bad fit. And um, it, it certainly looked uh, exciting. Uh, it had potential at the beginning of the year, you know, having another ball handler, Besides CJ and Dame, having a ball handler possibly come off the bench because 
that's kind of something that Evan Turner has been pretty good at being a, a, a role player. Um, that was something that I thought he would thrive as. And I, I thought, it, like, you know, a big problem with Evan Turner at the beginning of his career was a lot of teams didn't want to respect that he was not a scorer. A lot of teams didn't want to respect that he was not a, a swingman, that he's not a, a traditional three or two, uh, especially a two. He is a facilitator. He's a ball handler. He's a great rebounder for his position. He's a decent defender. Some say above average. I don't know about that. Um, but he's a, is just kind of an all-around kind of guy. Uh, maybe a less athletic Andre Iguodala, if you wanna, if you wanna get creative here. But look, I, I, he hasn't fit, and it looks like. Boston is going to be his his one that got away. That's going to be his one, you know, staple in his career that that was just the right fit at the right time in the right place with the right core group of guys. And it's sad because I mean, he played his former team the other night. Uh they managed to win in double in in it was either overtime or double overtime, but I want to say double overtime. Uh big win for the Blazers after having a really bad month of January, December, and, and so on. Just bad season all around. But um, Evan Turner, I mean, it's just, it's a bad deal. And, um, you know, I've heard some things about how they, they wanted to sign him just in case uh, for, you know, not exclusively for this reason, but, but a, a lot of it had to do with Alan Crabb being a free agent, CJ McCollum, also being a free agent, you know, what if these guys get away? Um, it, 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 it was just worrisome for the Blazers, and I understand why they made this deal. And they also signed Festus Azili, which is a pretty uh, very, very smart deal for the Blazers, which is why it's not up here, because Azili hasn't played yet. So you would think it's a bad contract, but... It's not a lot of money, so he's not on this list. But the Blazers made a lot of signings this year, and, and I was very impressed with the front office. They they had a lot to deal with this offseason. A lot of people didn't notice that because a lot of the young players that, they, that were a huge part of their success last year were on short deals, you know, throwaway players like Maurice Harkless who ended up having a great year, and they had to make all these signings. So it was a busy offseason for them. And for that reason, they had to take a big risk because they were at the risk of losing a lot of players if things didn't go right, and they did go right, which is probably why this deal is even worse than it is. And it's actually funny because the Blazers being able to re-sign most of their players actually plays to Evan Turner's lack of success this year, which a lot of people are ignoring. And, and, and that's why he hasn't fit so well because he was more of an insurance I would say than really a a guy they really wanted I mean they wanted they wanted a lot of other players they wanted a Chandler Parsons um I I think they were also interested in Evan Fournier for a bit um there were some other players man the the Blazers were were very serious about signing some players um uh, Hassan Whiteside, that's the one I was forgetting. Hassan Whiteside could have very easily ended up being a blazer, and that didn't happen. So, um, you know, and, and this wasn't really planned out perfectly, and you can see that, and it's been awkward. And, uh, you know, I'm rooting for Turner because he's a really nice guy. He's a really great uh, locker room 
gem, I would say, because he, he's just one of those guys that seems like he's so much more fun. Uh, he makes everything so much lighter, which is great for the Blazers because that's been something they're so good at, just like the Warriors. They have a, you know, shoulders aren't tense. People are, are having fun in that locker room. And you can talk about the youth. You can talk about Terry Stotts being a very liberal coach. You can talk about... Um, you know, Dame being a really good leader, uh, CJ being a really good number two, and being good at being a number two. Uh, but there's a ton of reasons why, and 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 I thought Evan Turner would fit in like a like perfectly, uh, and it hasn't been the case, and that's why he's number two on this list. It's not the worst deal. I mean, seventeen and a half million right now isn't that bad to be giving to a. I would say a very solid bench player right now in the league, possibly a starter on some teams. So that's not money wise. It's not that bad of a deal. It's just the fact that they're going to have to get rid of him because it's just not going to work. And if it continues, um, it's not so much going to hurt their locker room as it is going to hurt their win column. And that's certainly been the case. And I don't want to blame the, the amount of losses the Blazers have had so far on Turner but he's certainly been a contributor to that. So, I mean, that that's unfortunately why he's number two. And it's not easy for me to say this. Um, but, look, I mean, uh, you know, that is being regarded as the worst deal this season. So, I had to put it up there. And I, and I totally agree with, with some of what, you know, people are saying and, and a lot of the negativity about it. So, it's, it's a sad fact. But, you know, sorry. Uh, number one on this list. Now, I want to be fair. Uh, there's still obviously, and this goes for all these deals. Look, it's we're 41 games into the first year of all these deals. There's time, right? And who's to say that these guys aren't going to be traded and on a new team, this could look like a great deal. But right now, it looks like crap. And this is why... Chandler Parsons of the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't even I don't even feel comfortable introducing him as a Grizzly because he hasn't played. And his deal is outrageous. Four years, $94 million. Now that's the, the other than Bradley Beal, that's the highest contract that I've mentioned yet today. And uh, you know, I I just can't, I can't believe it. A guy who had horrible reputation for injuries, probably worse than Bradley Beal, I would say, uh, in Dallas and even in Houston. I mean, um, the guy just, I mean, here's the thing. Here's what makes this deal so bad uh, is one of the things. This guy already signed a long deal that already seen, turned out to be a mistake and has been known as one. Uh, he signed a huge deal a few years ago for Dallas, and the entire time he was there, he's been through multiple roster changes, multiple rebuilds. He's been there through the Rondo era. He's been there through the Monte Ellis era. He's been there through the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was there for the OJ Mayo era. So he And now the Harrison Barnes, Wes Matthews, Darren Williams, he's seen all these players come and go. Uh, Oh, sorry, he didn't play with Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes was his replacement. But he's seen all these players come and go. And he never was mentioned. He was always there. He was on the roster eating up that money. But he never did anything. And um, the fact that the Grizzlies 
thought it would be a, a good idea to throw this money at him after that just doesn't make any sense to me. And that's why it's number one. I mean, I don't even really know what else to say. The guy has had it, no no time on the floor. And in the little time that he's been on the floor, he's averaged six points per game. Um, as a scorer, as a you know three-point threat, quote-unquote, um, that's just atrocious. $24 million a year. That... Kobe Bryant had a deal like that a few years ago. And I know the cap has changed since then. But that deal basically ruined the last two years of Kobe's career. And now a guy that no one has seen play in years is making that um, on a team that desperately needed a player like him and went out on a limb to do so uh it's just disgraceful and it's not his fault per se i mean <laughs> it's hard to say because when when there's when there's one injury i feel bad for the guy when there's two injuries i still feel bad for the guy when there's like all these minor injuries when they're all there when there's all these little nagging injuries when there's just one after the other. I don't really feel bad anymore. And I, I do feel bad for guys not being able to play at the level that they think they should be at. But And I know that. I can imagine that's frustrating. But I don't know if some of the blame should actually go on the player. Maybe this guy's not taking care of himself. Maybe he's not. Um, I mean, it's, it's sometimes, it, you know, it's just sporadic play. And that's probably not the case for Chandler Parsons, who's not really a Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook type player. But, I mean, you look at Blake Griffin and... Some of his injuries, you can definitely blame on him just playing uh, the wrong kind of way as if, you're, if you're talking about staying healthy. Uh, unnecessarily, you know, being overly aggressive at times. It, it, it causes injury. I mean, I would say Nerlens Noel tearing his ACL in college was certainly a self-inflicted injury. Like, uh, unintentionally self-inflicted injury. Because that's just a guy not realizing that that's a play you let go. And that's basketball IQ, that's that's coaching, that's sensibility, that's, that's natural instinct, whatever. That's a lot of things. But you kind of have to blame a guy for that. And when it comes to guys like Bradley Beal, Chandler Parsons, these guys can't stay on the floor. And I'm, gonna, I mean, I'm not really going to feel sorry for them after a while. So Chandler Parsons no longer has my sympathy, that's for sure. And when he's making this kind of money, um, you know, bringing in all this false hope, to a team that desperately needs his help in particular and what he is supposed to be offering to a team. It's it's really disappointing, and I'm not happy to see it. And I was really excited to see the Grizzlies actually try to be a little bit more watchable now that Parsons, who I think is a pretty exciting player, uh, you know, joined the team, or w exciting when healthy. But it seems like that's not going to come true, and... Uh, four years is a very long time, especially when you're paying Mike Conley, the biggest contract in the NBA and Marcus Gasol is getting a lot of money and he's probably going to be re-signed soon. I mean, that's really unfortunate. Um, Memphis has a lot to figure out as far as contracts go for sure. Uh, and Chandler Parsons really, uh, really is, is, is stifled that. So He's number one on the list. 
Uh, I wonder how people are going to respond to that. Um, I, I, I thought it was, it was interesting because I hadn't really heard that deal being talked about. I've heard, you know, oh, it's disappointing. You know, the Grizzlies haven't seen Parsons yet. But as far as the contract itself being bad, I hadn't heard that much. Um, or at least not as much as I think uh, is mer- is deserved. So I, I thought it was a good good pick for number one. And it, I think uh, some might find it shocking, but it's certainly something that I stand by uh, right now. So those are my top five uh, to go to go back through them again. Jan Mahimni, number five of the Wizards. Bradley Beal, number four of the Wizards. Dwight Howard of the Hawks, number three. Evan Turner of the Toronto Blazers, number two. And Chandler Parsons of the Memphis Grizzlies, number one. There are your five worst contracts so far signed in the 2016 offseason. I look forward to be proven wrong. I look forward to these players telling me, basically making me look like an idiot. I hope that that happens. I really want to see these guys all turn it around. And, um, you know, to speak to that, I mean, I think there's a huge talent fall off so far this year in the NBA, at least from the last few years. And I think that has a lot to do with, um, with clearly, you know, teams forfeiting a lot, not trying because they think the Warriors and the Cavs are going to repeat again. Uh, It's also a lot to do with a lot of teams not taking risks. A lot of teams, Denver, I mean, come on, 2011, this is still the same team. They just added a few young guys that are exciting, but they're not giving them the the amount of playing time they deserve. Um, And then you look at Minnesota with all these players that they don't need. Just get rid of them for God's sake. Do something, make a decision, make a call. You can still salvage this season, or even if you don't care about that, what are you going to do moving forward? You can't have all these young guys. It's not going to work out. And I'm even talking about your stars in Wiggins and Towns. I don't think that's sustainable. Um, you look at Philadelphia. That is a disgrace. What's going on with those front court players? Half of them are sitting on the bench in suits. Half of them are not getting the amount of playing time. And they're all frustrated. So it needs to be some ballsy decision making we need people to take risks i think we the 2000s were so many busts so many players traded away for nothing i remember the phoenix suns the cleveland cavaliers always throwing away their late first round picks only for them to turn around and 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 become assets in the future uh we look at brooklyn and the disaster that happened with the kevin garnett paul pierce trade to the celtics and basically them signing away their their future. Uh, a lot of teams are freaked out. They're spooked. Nobody wants to s- to sell their young players right now, and it's frustrating as a fan because there's no. First of all, there's no movement, and as fans, we like movement, uh, especially when it when, when it's when it should be happening. Um, and and it, even bigger than that, it's young guys not being given opportunities and these are all guys that i mean you look at what james harden did when he left oklahoma city he became a superstar overnight it just happened overnight and that happens when young guys leave teams that they're not being used enough on and that's what needs to happen with guys like zach levine that's what needs to happen with guys like um andrew wiggins he's not uh, for number one option in Minnesota. He should be a number one option elsewhere. Um, you know, Kristaps Porzingis being 
you know, wasting his time in New York, whether that's he needs to leave or Carmelo or someone else needs to leave. It doesn't matter. He needs to be the number one option somewhere. Um, you look at the bit, the front court in Denver. Um, Nikola Jokic has, has completely overthrown what um, the other uh, Josef Nurkic was doing before. He, you know, literally back to back rookie years or sophomore years, they come out as breakthrough players and they're both just not being able to, they're not able to play on the floor at the same time together. And neither of them is, is very happy with the fact that, that they're just kind of being, uh, their, their, their minutes are being split between each other. And it's not, it's not making any sense. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins needs to go to a new team. John Wall needs to go to a new team. Um, there's all these players that need to move and it's because teams are freaked out. I'm telling you, they're spooked from the Brooklyn trade. That that ruined the NBA for the foreseeable future, for the near future. It's going to take a few years for teams to finally say, all right, well, we're standing around with all these assets. We finally need to do something. I don't care. I'm sick of it. By the way, I forgot to mention Orlando. One of the worst examples of teams just stashing players. When are we going to see Aaron Gordon become a star? I, he's ready. He's ready. Give him the ball. There's no reason why he should be sharing minutes with Vucevic, Ibaka, uh, Biombo, etc. It doesn't make sense. Figure it out, guys, and, and and stop stashing players like this. It's 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 really hard to watch. It's making the league not competitive, and and um, yeah, there's a little rant about that. But I wanted to give you guys a little something more than just my picks for worst contracts. Um, but yeah, that's. That's pretty much it. Um, hope you guys enjoyed my top five worst contracts. I hope you guys agree. Uh, if you don't, I, or if you do, tweet at me, comment on the, the SoundCloud page, or or, or the leave a review on iTunes. Um, Six-year stint NBA podcast. Make sure you subscribe. You can find it on uh, Podcast Republic, iTunes, SoundCloud, like I mentioned, YouTube as well. Pretty much anything you want uh, if you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe so that you don't have to check our Twitter every time we upload an episode. But if you like to follow us on Twitter, at 6 Year Stint, you can do that too. And we're always going to be tweeting out the links to our podcast as well as other updates, news, opinions, and such um, on Twitter. We like to kind of keep that as our home base. Um, it's sort of a good way to network and, and get things, push things out there. So that's that's where you can find most of our uh, content. Um, so make sure that you follow us on there. Follow us on Instagram as well, at uh, six year stint. Uh, pretty easy to find. And um, you can also follow me, my personal Twitter, at Sean Tomasi NBA. Um, so thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for tuning in. And um, I hope you guys agreed with my six year stint NBA podcast top five worst contracts of the NBA season so far. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.